From the Rose City in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, home of bikes, books, bridges, beards, food carts, startups, and indie coffee. Grab your dog, snatch your hammer and beer, leave your umbrella at home. Welcome to the Tiny House Podcast. everybody this is tiny house podcast i'm perry i'm michelle and this is mark and today we have a really fantastic guest i almost called you zill <laughs> just <laughs> get it over now i know right okay. but we've got abel zimmerman abel from zilvardos um and we want to welcome him to the podcast today welcome abel it's very nice to have you uh good morning guys i'm really honored to be here you ought to be. Just kidding. <laughs> so, um, Abel, uh, I was looking at your, your website again today. Um, I consider your po- your podcast, your, your tiny houses to be like the pinnacle of what's possible out there in the tiny house community. You're, you're doing really artistic work. Congratulations. Crazy amazing. I agree. Well, cool. Thanks. I'm glad you guys noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you. I'm sure you get that a lot. Tell tell us how how did you get into building tiny houses and where do your mad skills come from? Uh, let's see. Um, I started. I built my first tiny house for myself about six years ago, um, and I honestly would have to say I was inspired by walking by D. Williams' little teeny tiny house on the west side of Olympia, uh, you know, like on my way to the food co-op with my like two-year-old daughter in the stroller. Um, so, uh, that kind of inspired me and, um, I built one for myself and then somebody, uh, put a lot of trust in me and commissioned me for one that happened to be the uh, fortune cookie house, which kind of has the arched sides and, uh, it all kind of kept rolling from there. Uh, but I have a much longer history of building and other kind of things I've done for work. Uh, I've done a little bit of boat work, and I studied boat building in college. Um, and I've done uh, kit. I did re- residential remodeling. I've done handiwork when times were tough, and uh, I've done a lot of like kitchen builds and such in the past. So you know, kind of a whole bunch of things came together uh, roundabout. And uh, they seem to kind of harmonize well for the art of doing um, tiny houses, which I really enjoy, honestly. Awesome. So when, when, you're, when you're talking, at some moment, it seems like you're leaning back or somehow getting away from your mic. So if you could make sure you're in front of the mic, the sound sure. changes otherwise. And when, so when was it that you saw these tiny houses? How long ago was that? Uh, I saw these tiny houses probably a year and a half year or so before I started building mine, so it might have been like seven years ago. Okay. Um, and, yeah, and I'd never heard of it in the media previously, although I know she had been really vocal around that time, but I, I just basically walked by it, and like I think I met her at the food co-op various times, and we chit-chatted about it, so. And the one that you built for yourself, was it of the quality that you built today? Um, you know, that is, an, <laughs> you know, the builder's own projects are always a little quirkier than uh, what you do for hire. So um, it isn't, it isn't, isn't, I guess it, it was assembled of a lot of reclaimed 
materials um, that I had kind of saved up. You know, I was I was actually it was right in the the lull of the building industry around here. You know, there was a general recession happened. Building industry went really low, and I managed to keep myself employed by doing a wide variety of handiwork. But a lot of my builder friends really were starving. Um, so I uh, I kind of cobbled together some materials and built this house. And so it's it's quirky compared to like what I make for people, you know, on the table, basically. Um, but it, it's still, you know, it's, I, I guess it's an echo of, of what I do now. And, you know, some of the elements kind of carried through just because I guess that's what I was, you know, feeling inside of me when I wanted to start building these things. So is it quirky like Derek Diedrichson quirky? Or because I would consider the builds that you do now not necessarily quirky, but definitely, I mean, you know, out of the ordinary. So so to what extent did you employ funk? Um, <laughs> not funk. Just well, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I played a lot of funk while I was building it. I just... <laughs> playing um, some sort of heavy metal as well but nice. you, know, it, you know life's weird that way uh, <laughs> um, so uh, I well I guess when you use a lot of reclaimed materials you kind of adapt what you're doing to the you know the, the way the house forms up is a product of what you have on hand so you kind of have to be flexible you kind of have to be flexible and be ready to say, you know, I'm, this window is just not going to be where I thought it was going to be, or um, I don't have enough floor to finish, so maybe I'll put some other floor down on this end of the house, you know? So <laughs> so that's that's how it's not, like, my builds now are pretty, and, you know, part of it's because I have, like, a shop and a crew, and I kind of have to manage them so they, they work and are a, a little more predictable. You know, I, obviously I'm not going all the way to the, you know, the process-oriented kind of building that you see in like mainstream like McMansion building right. um in fact I, I I honestly don't appreciate that style very much um but I still have to make some predictable process so we aren't just out in the shop scratching our heads wondering what's going to come next so um I guess I, I and I have more resources on hand because I'm building one house after another so it's kind of nice I can I can I can say you know I, I want the floor to be like this and the walls to be, and we're going to build our own windows so we know what they're going to be shaped like um so it gives us a lot of like creative flexibility so that that's what's a little different it's less adaptive and more like planned uh as we go into it so how big was it how big was your first one and how big was it compared to your average size of clients home right now Oh, uh, it was seven feet wide and 20 feet long. And I, I, I reclaimed an, an old RV frame that was this pretty beefy one. Uh, and I've done that a few times, but these days uh, it's more functional to have a trailer maker that's not too far from me. They're like, you know, 20 or 30 minutes away. And um, so they just make them to spec for me, and that's wonderful. <laughs> um, uh, so... I tend to, if I guess if I was going to say there was an average size, it, it seems to be 22 feet long and like eight feet wide. Um, so, so that'd be the average size. Right now I happen to be building two of the houses of the little bird variety that are 24 and 26 feet. So, so you're building two at the same time? Yeah. 
Yeah, okay. doing what, a double at the moment. What's your is that is that kind of your max building capacity there on site? Yeah, I would I would definitely have to say I could not do more than two at a time. And I really honestly, when they're custom, when they're way custom and they aren't repeats, which I, after these two, I have new designs one after another, maybe four of them in a row, and I'll probably do them one at a time because it allows me to not get too watered down as the like designer slash runner of the shop sure so, the, so. So, so we um god there's so many different directions we can take this i i wanted I, for the for the listeners because they can't see what we're talking about your your artistic the, the way you infuse your tiny houses with artistic flair is there any is there any sort of a, a a sentence that you would use to describe how that shows up is it is it a representation of your boat education showing up in your work or how do you get what I'm saying? How can Yeah, I think I think I know what you're saying. Um, you know, I don't think I mean, yes, a little tiny pinch, but honestly, it's just that I guess I, I, I've never been afraid to build my own elements that are parts of the house, and I think that's what kind of unlocks the the shape of them is is, you know, if I'm building a house I can shape the roof any shape I want. Um and then I can build the windows to kind of harmonize with that. So, so that's it. So I, I make these, you know, sculpted structures and, 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 you know, on some level there's a, a simpler process that goes on. That's about like function and making things work inside the house that does influence like how the house ends up being shaped. But, um, you know, so, so it's form and function. They kind of both have to come together there. So, um, so, so to what degree, so I can imagine Sometimes a person who does, I'm not saying you're like this, but a person who would design in the way that you design would over-design to the degree that the function suffers. Is, is that ever a problem with what you're doing? Like, like your, your roof Form is... Form over function. Yeah, so like your roof is so curved, for example, I have to duck to get into my kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have to duck to get into my kitchen. You know, I think the tiny house movement or way of thinking is excuse me, um, it, it's really conducive to uh, rethinking certain things. I, I kind of can't help but make functional objects and kitchens and, you know, doors and windows and such, but it is not going to feel exactly like a boxy square house. Uh, so, you know, on some level, I kind of hope people will see that, oh, I can just adapt the way I think about how high my bed is or something, you know, like that and there you know there's multiple ways that things can function so so yeah sometimes it does change the clearances and such but that's always an issue in any tiny house build i think is how close things are together and if you're going to be able to crawl into the loft without mumping your head and stuff like that so um again here in the studio we're we're all familiar with your designs we've drooled over them and and wondered how how you pull it off so again for the sake of the listeners listeners if i was to describe your houses as a cottage and a sailboat and a fortune cookie um all had a little menage to all they all had a little had a baby. like um how accurate would from your perspective how accurate is that is that description uh, I think that's a pretty apt way to, you know, kind of combine a couple uh, ideas or metaphors or whatever you want. And, and yeah, I mean, mostly I just think that 
I'm building things that are not shaped like we're used to, but also are well kind of integrated for this like house on a trailer on wheels idea. It's a little self-contained, tiny cottage. That's interesting that you, you brought the integration up because we had a we had a we had a recording that's still in the can with a guy who uh, not to spill the episode but who's really focused on the safety of tiny houses and long long ago I, I not that long ago obviously the tiny house movement isn't that long but I read on your website how you you really concerned about moisture for example and you have you created this certain type of, of structure in all your tiny houses to kind of address that so so obviously you have you have this. This, this focus on integrity that makes not only your tiny houses um, beautiful, but also functionally safe, I guess, would be the word. Can you talk about that? Yeah, you know, I think you're kind of hitting on two things. There's, like, safe, as in, like, a house that won't burn down or hurt you, and then there's, or fall apart on the highway, for example. And then there's uh, sort of things like the vapor... Yes. Uh, venting that I use that help it those I when I the, the first thing comes to mind is that that helps the structure live a lot longer because it prevents rot and it prevents mold and uh so and I kind of as a builder I guess if I really had it my way I'd love to build these things to last like you know 80 years or something and I I don't think you know budget-wise we can always manage like the lifetime level construction of a house and houses get edited anyway. That's it's kind of interesting idea that people kind of forget about is that, oh, you build a house and then two years down the road, somebody wants to add or take away something from it. Um, so houses are like editable structures. Um, but still, I build, I kind of can't help in the side of me, but build things that I know aren't going to fail in like at least a couple decades. So there you go. <laughs> nice. And so what, is, what does someone on average have to pay to get that kind of quality, Abel? Uh, if I use the tiny house price per square foot reference, it's a little, by any other like residential reference, it sounds exceptionally high. Um, <laughs> so be. because, because the whole house is concentrated into one footprint and pretty much one room. Right. So all the plumbing, the kitchen, the bath, the, all the other functional yeah. things that people want, a washer, dryer, whatever, it's all there in one footprint. So, yeah, it drives the cost way up. Um, and to get all that to be livable and usable on a day-to-day basis, um, yeah, it costs a little bit. So, you know, my houses average from 45, I want to say 40 on up, but, you know, like often people tend to spend 50 on up with me uh, these days just because they, they want all those the little things that make it feel like a house and that they can throw their laundry in the washer and stuff like that. Right. Um, so, so I'd like a 20-square-foot one, please. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap, I mean, I, I would have thought it would be higher just me because too. of the artistic value. Me too. I, mean, I think one of the interesting things about your home, um, as you are a carpenter nerd savant... Speaking of metaphors... Wait, wait, who said that? <laughs> hey, I'm, just, that I'm was, just reading off a website. No, so That was that was me, I wrote that. I love that, I love that. That's, a, that's a great description. But one of the things I love about your homes, unlike any other tiny house that I've really seen out there, is when you look at it and it has those angles and that structure and that artistic quality to it, is... You've actually built a home that's actually kind of its own brand. Yeah. Where people can say, oh, uh, is that a Zilfardo? And the answer still might be no, because somebody may be ripping you off or, or kind of copping your look. But 
You don't say, I, I, I can't say any other homes where it, they quite feel like that yeah. yet, too. Um, which speaks to your design style because you have many different kind of substructures of brands that you have within your kind of family of, of designs, but that still overall speaks to your, your eye and your design. And that's not a question, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now go. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I, I guess if I had to say anything that came to mind after that, I, I guess I, I want to say I'm not exactly... I mean, if somebody copied one of my designs straight out, it might be a little like, hmm, you know, like, right. come on, guys, really? Right. Um, or if, like, a big, like, a park model RV manufacturer, like, duped one of my designs and started cranking it out, I'd be a little grumpy with them. Sure. But, but otherwise, um, that aside, I actually don't mind if people walk, I want, like, other builders to run down the same road. It just mm. kind of happens that nobody seems to be doing that. Uh, there is, I, I think, the Rocky Mountain Tiny House guy has messed with some curved roof lines and and i fully support that i i think it's awesome and even you know i'll i've talked with other builders that uh, you know on and off usually i'm so busy in my shop i hardly get a chance to talk to anybody so, really. <laughs> uh, but um like seriously I, I work a lot out there to keep everything going but mm-hmm. um but uh yeah i i kind of openly uh i'm, I'm not stingy about the shapes you know yeah. i think why why not do it you know if somebody wants to build a round window by gosh i didn't patent it somebody mm-hmm. else has done it before sure. somewhere else mm-hmm. um there's if you look at some of the you know craft builders in europe and you know the the, the stuff's all done been done before just you know maybe not in this exact format right. so. speaking of lovely design i believe and again maybe i'm maybe i'm completely off base i think you built d williams little vardos right Mm, nope, I no, don't was, was, think so. Are you talking about the Don Vardo, the little one? With the the little teeny tiny one. No, that was some um, D and Katie. Yeah, it was Katie. Oh, okay, so. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I, I have a question for you. When I was, and you may have changed this, but I, do you put screens on your windows? Yeah. Oh, you do? I do. Okay. Um, I have occasionally, just because it kind of comes at the end of a build, have a client say oh, I don't really care about screens but yes there's screens on my windows and sometimes when I photograph my houses it's like right before I send them out and we don't have the screens That's done yet and so you might not see very many of them but they're out there and I've made screens on many many occasions and we the same thing we hand make the screens out of wood and um, usually I stick them onto the windows with magnets because they're most of my handmade windows are the casement kind that swing outward so you have to like open the screen and unlatch the window and push it open then close the screen again Got so it. Wow, yeah. that's fantastic. So which one's your favorite? Do you have a favorite yet? How long have you actually been building these amazingly imaginative structures? I, You know, I'm, I'm trying to, again, create a visual for the listeners here. Um, so how long have you been building them, and, and have, you, have you stumbled across a favorite? Oh, boy. I don't know if I can pick a favorite. I mean, yeah, six years I've been building these, um, and I've gotten the, I guess, the opportunity to do a lot of wonderful stuff and, you know, get paid some, some meager living to do it. I, honestly, it doesn't make a whole lot of money, so, um, but it's, it's fun. So it keeps me there. Um, but a favorite, that's what you asked. Uh, I really want to build the pinafore again. I think, uh, I really like that house, the interior and the way that the kind of kitchen and the loft all come together. It, like functionally that one feels close to my heart but it again I kind of 
can get in the mood for each one of mine at different times, so it, it's hard to call a favorite. Who, who uh, without giving away the privacy of your customers, who buys these things from you? What, what are the, who are they? Like their profession or where they live or what, or what they're wanting it for? Yeah, is this main residence or yeah. like backyard residence or second home or is it all over the board? I, I think I can. I think I can answer that question. It, it you know, it, it's always shifting a little bit. Uh, but if there was to be a demographic of sorts, uh, I think the first thing that I've noticed is that, uh, like, thirty to fifty year old women are like demographic number one for tiny houses. And the other interesting thing that I didn't totally expect when I started doing this is. I think almost everybody has downsized and is living full time in there. So they're, they're not really using them as like an art studio. Uh, um, you know, I have built one that's like a little backyard office, but that was like 11 feet long. I was like really tiny. Uh, so by and large, the, the, the things like you see on my website are being lived in every day, um, out there. Um, so what people do is downsize. They might, uh, one client, not mentioning names, my the, she helps her or her aging mother out, so she's parked in her mom's land, uh, and uh, other people just uh, want something that's a little more independent or a little more off the grid or a little more affordable uh, because it doesn't have a mortgage. So, um, by and large, people are living in them day to day. Wow, that's so fascinating. Uh, so okay, so sorry you you got me so involved in that question. I don't didn't have a follow up question. <laughs> I do. I do actually. So um, some designers, some builders actually have an interior designer um, that picks the finishes, countertops, the floors, the sinks, the light fixtures. Um, do you um, do you also pick the interior aesthetic as well? And um, what how would you describe the interior aesthetic? of your homes as well I mean is it is it minimalistic is it steampunk um, cottage you know I would love to do a steampunk actually, if anybody wants to book me for one it, it'd probably be a little complex but I would love to do it so, uh, okay uh, the interiors I um, I kind of do that um, and it's the way that I do interior is um I usually start with people will tend to request things they've seen me do before. Mm. So that's one, uh, you know, direction, the idea. So people are like, I saw that cedar, you know, tongue and groove. And I want that in my house. So I tend to get a lot of repeat requests, which I guess as a builder is, is fairly convenient, but I, you know, again, convenience isn't my, my main goal in, being a builder so um i'm open to ideas uh I, but i tend to do interiors as like a collaboration with the the client so whoever's booking me we we they make certain choices before the project but often as the project's going along we um, pick and choose certain parts and elements and they say well what if we did this or what if we put the floor over you know turned this way you know so a lot of it is just a collaboration um i tend to fine-tune a little bit based on what i know and some of my kind of feelings from my experience and history. You know, like I said, I've been building like kitchens and stuff for a long time. And um, I'm also a, a theatrical lighting designer. So I tend to have a lot of feelings about colors and 
harmony there. So, um, and how light works. So, um, so yeah, it's collaborative, but I tend to be the consultant if need be. So you wear the carpenter's hat, you wear the architect's hat, you wear the interior designer's hat. Do you also wear the sales guy hat? How do you sell, how do you sell your houses? How do you market them? Um, how much money do you spend on marketing? That, that sort of side of the business. Uh, I spend zero on marketing. That's what I thought. I do not actively market my houses. The only thing I do is put pictures on social media and or my website. That's fascinating. Mostly because people ask me to see what I'm doing. So it, part of it's just to say, just to share a little bit. I'm like, hey, here's what's happening. Um, so there you go. <laughs> and you're booked out through the fall of 216? Yeah. Yeah. I may have just taken in a booking for that fall that may carry us all the way through the new year. So. So how many, looks how, how many, how many, I know that on your website it says it can, it can take up to three months to build a house, but it sounds like you're building more than one at a time sometimes. So how many houses do you build in a year? Uh, I just, this last year, kind of around the start of the year, started pulling in carpenters to me because I saw that lots of people wanted tiny houses from me. So, um, and that was, you know, that's like a, a doing a little bit of an upsize in a shop, a workshop like this is, is is actually kind of excruciating at points just because it's it's you know going through having new carpenters in the shop and uh, figuring out how to have more materials around without them getting rained on and stuff like that is 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 pretty intense um but in a in a year i should be this year i should probably send out about seven houses and i expect to have about eight just in this current version of what i'm doing in life I, I should have about eight and probably no more than that per year which is a lot compared to what I used to do so wow and and you said current version what can you explain that a little more <laughs> uh, I just kind of told myself once I hired on all the carpenters let's do this for a year year and a half and then we'll just all look at each other and say is this fun are we are we liking what we're doing is there anything that other people are asking us to build that maybe we want to try you know so so I, I kind of consider the what version of uh, business I'm running as as a something that's periodically reviewed, and you know I might decide, wow, that was too busy, or I spent too much time doing paperwork, and I want to downsize again, <laughs> but or I want to give it all to my carpenters and take a long <laughs> or something. You know, sometimes I feel like that. How many build? How many carpenters do you have working with you? Um, right now, I have. One, two, three. Did you lose one? I think we lost you. Did you lose a carpenter or did we lose the recording? I think we lost the connection. A Abel? I bet this is a good time for commercial break. So, In oh, insert we sponsorship yeah, break here. Oh, you did? Yeah, I wanted to oh. read one line. Are you there? It's like a ghost. Or his <laughs> it's getting all Halloween-y. It's getting all wow. Abel, did you burst into flames? <laughs> He's putting himself out. So we'll go to a commercial. Let's go. 
I'm, wow. I'm getting chills. <laughs> it was like a ghost. He said he was going to burst it into flames. He yeah. said he was going to try. Okay. Well, uh, we'll go to commercial we'll go break. To commercial and break. we'll come and back. I, yeah. Maybe. Hey, this is Perry from Tiny House Podcast. Thank you to our sponsor for this week's Tiny House Podcast episode. No more naked windows. Our friends at Blinds.com are the very best at covering any size and shape window that your tiny house can challenge them with. From insulating cell shades to UV ray blocking solar shades and more, you'll love their great prices, super selection, and friendly service. These folks know windows and, because all their products are custom made to order, you can outfit your tiny home with something uniquely you. Visit them at Blinds.com and get ready to be impressed. We're well, back. I'm, We're back. Yeah. We we thought that you had uh, you had decided to uh, remember at the beginning of the show we talked about starting on fire so we bursting into were, flames. Yeah. We thought you were oh, playing yeah. a joke and bursting into flames or something. Putting yourself out. <laughs> so you were you were actually counting let, let me see we, we left off you were counting your your carpenters and you said I have 1 2 3 and that was the last one we heard. Ah, four. I have four. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody breathe easy. <laughs> one other one other person that helps around the shop. So I have a total of five employees at any one moment. Cool. And and you have a the last time I looked at your website a while ago, not the last time, but the previous time, you had a shop you had an outdoor shop with a big awning over the top of it. What do you have yeah. what do you have now? Uh, I just built another one of those. So my shop is just an it's a it's an older two-car-ish sized garage that I've revamped into a shop. So it's little for a, a wood shop that does all the stuff we do in it. And then I have two longish outdoor shelters. So that's it. We're just we're out in the weather, but not totally directly in the rain. So so when it, when it rains in Olympia, when it has that sideward rains, are you able to drop the, the walls of that shelter, those shelters, or what do you do? Um, usually... It's not that big of a deal. Um, I mean, yeah, if it's really raining hard, things get a little mucky around the mm-hmm. area. But, um, you know, it, you can always keep building infrastructure on and on and on for, you know, working the weather up to, like, having a heated giant warehouse or something. But I just don't – it doesn't really – I don't need that. It would add to the overhead of my business. So, um, yeah, when it rains sideways, we just do stuff that's – under the end of the shelter, it isn't getting rained in. <laughs> so, so there you go. Okay, so the, the back to the phase of that we were talking just before you counted the carpenters. It, uh-huh. Does it? It sounds like you are. Uh, I'm going to try and get under your skin a little bit here. It sounds like you're not that passionate about tiny houses. Like you could do pretty much anything with your carpenter skills, whatever turns you on at the moment. Um, so, are you thinking about? at the end of that year getting bigger or are you thinking that you might want to get out of tiny houses altogether and build something else? That's a really good question. Uh, I, I don't really want to get bigger. Um, the only, I, I, I guess I'll tell you what ideas interest me at the moment. It doesn't mean it doesn't, no promises <laughs> uh, <laughs> is, is one, one would be to keep doing what I'm doing if people are giving me like original projects to build, it's incredibly fun, even though it's a lot of hard work. Um, so the design part's really enjoyable. Um, but another thing that I've kind of thought of because I get requests from overseas would be to create a, a kind of a kit version of even just the roof parts of my houses. And if, if there was an interest in that, but, um, or to like actually, make a kit and go 
with it overseas and put up a couple, you know, just because I've gotten requests. For some reason, people in Australia seem really interested in these. And then, you know, every once in a while, somebody from somewhere completely different will ask me for one. But it's always the, the shipping costs kind of make them near to impossible. Mm, so, yeah. The tiny house movement is actually really, really huge in Australia second only to the United States. They're having the same sort of real estate crisis um, uh -huh. as we are here, and they, they kind of, it seems like they're going in an anti-establishmentarianist kind of direction. So it doesn't surprise me to hear that you've not only gotten interest um, overseas, but that but that you, uh, you have some interest in Australia. So if I want to get in line, um, if I want to get in line for uh, early 2017, how does that process work? I just send you an email and say, hey, will you build me a 12-footer for my son? Or I mean, how does that process work? What, what percentage of it is a down payment? Talk a little bit about how you originally engage and keep your clients engaged with a lead time that long. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, usually uh, lots of people ask me or say they're interested and... I, you know, I have some of the information on right there on my website, but I generally say well, if you are serious about taking, you know, taking a slot, I will make that slot yours for a 20% down. Usually, that's the usual agreement. 20% right. down, and then I, what I do is I, I have a little, like, paper contract that basically says, you get the slot, here's what the, you know, down payment is you know, partially non or it's non-refundable actually. And, uh, if you cancel on me and it just makes it so that I can gauge how to run my shop basically. So if somebody books me and then they, they back out and I was expecting them to, you know, basically feed us for two or three months uh, on what they're paying us to build a house, then that's a pretty hard thing to sure. have happen. So, right. so that's why I, so, so I just take a down payment to secure the spot and that's, that's that. Yeah. Yeah, I know that's that kind of tends to, to feel a little personal in line, you know, as far as a question. But, but again, what you do is so unique, and um, who you're doing it for, and, and your approach to this whole business is is really unique. I don't know of anybody else in the tiny house business that's got zero marketing money going on, or going out. You know, that this word of mouth is pretty cool, and I definitely hope that we we can help you and contribute to the word of mouth and the buzz and. And uh, keep you building these tiny houses. We'll, we'll do our part. Okay. Well, thank you. I'm not sure I need more word of mouth, but I have those days where I'm like, I don't want any more emails, and I don't want to answer people's questions. And it's not that I don't like to. It's just that I have things to build, basically. Yeah. Um, I yeah. So there you go. But thank you, and I will. I'll take it actually. <laughs> <laughs> what's the, what's uh, the sorry? What's the what's the farthest distance you've sent one of your babies? I've got one on the East Coast in Maryland. Oh, wow. Nice. I'm and, sure. I, and I towed it all the way out there. Wow. I remember. That was about six months ago, right? Yeah, it was, well, it was, no, it was about a year ago now. Oh, was it? Right. Time flies yeah. when you're having fun. That I remember does. you posted pictures all the way along the way. Yeah, yeah, I took, I took pictures and put them up as I was rolling. Wow. Did you get kind of a lot of inbound phone calls and messages with people asking you how to do X, Y, and Z that you need to, to kind of deal with on a regular basis? You mean like uh, building advice? Uh, 
basically, yeah, building tiny house advice. How do I? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do get some of that, and I answer it if I if I can. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do, are, are, that's a, actually a good follow up question. Are you are you on the uh, workshop circuit? Like, do you go to tiny house events and teach workshops and show people how to do the curves that you build and things like that? I have taught workshops, um, but it's been a little while, and I kind of tend to be a little too busy to do the, the, the workshop thing is like its own part of the tiny house business. And I have number of friends who just kind of do that. Uh, you know, they work tumbleweed workshops or their own, you know, or like D D is part of like Portland alternative dwellings and all that. And, um, so I have done a couple, three of those, I think, I've just been like a guest, uh, teacher, so to speak, but I don't actively go after that because I'm too busy running the shop. So what does your family think about what you're doing? Um, I, they're, I don't, they're so enormously supportive. Um, I just have to say I really appreciate that they put up with me working so much <laughs> to uh, make it all happen. Um, and, you know, it comes and goes. Like, there's just times when it's, like, nose to the grindstone to make everything work around the shop. And uh, But it, it's kind of cool because I, I, I work at home. Like, I'm, I'm sitting in my house actually at the moment but I'm uh 25 feet from my shop so uh so it keeps me close by and um I live on a farm and I have lots of other little besides my my house and my wife and my kids I have uh, a bunch of chickens and pigs and sheep and such around here do you have a really cool chicken house yeah, did you build um, a tiny house yeah. <laughs> I, I did build a chicken gone house. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if it's cool. It's just it was we had to build one because we had too many chickens to fit in the old one, and we needed one that we could like skid around the farm uh, to move it to different places. So yeah, I threw one together, and um, we have a chicken house, but it doesn't look like one of my tiny houses. Oh, <laughs> that, that maybe if maybe if you get tired of building tiny houses, you can build chicken 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 coops because they're oh, man. coops on wheels. They're like all the rage too. Yeah. So there's yeah, I've, I've heard a little bit about that. <laughs> There's an idea you can have that idea. Like a like a lobster tank thing in Portland. You wild you wheel around the chicken coops, you pick your own chicken. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. That's totally awesome. So what is Chick- what is your what does your spouse do, Abel? Um, she is uh, she has various things that she does. She uh, is a nanny part of the time. She's an amazing DJ and a stage performer. Um, we used to actually perform together in a, a aerial and trapeze performing group in town. So I've got a little like toe in the theater, but I tend to be too busy to do it myself these days. You ever been to Burning Man, Abel? No, I'd really like to go. Um, but no, I haven't. That surprises me. I don't know. Actually, I know why. It's because you're a trapeze artist. <laughs> all trapeze artists end up at Burning Man. There's a meetup at Burning Man. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Trapeze is in fire. Right, right. Kind of go together. Yeah. <laughs> now we've, my wife and I have done that. <laughs> Both of those things together, actually. They hate doing No, it's that is. Okay. I think it, I think. Uh, <laughs> oh. Are you there? Abel. Yeah. Oh. Okay. There okay. you're still there. Wow, that was a weird sound. So again, did our, you guys our, catch on fire this time? I know. <laughs> it's hard to get something out of it. 
So our listeners are not just tiny house enthusiasts, but our listeners are, are sort of sustainability geeks, um, people that appreciate you know creativity and great architecture and sustainable uh, living practices. Minimalists, yeah. Minimalists. So, um, so I'm giving you that long intro. So, uh, so what advice um, in in closing here? What advice do you have for other people that come behind you? Like, is this is it a crazy crazy lifestyle? Um, any regrets? Like, what advice do you have for, for our audience? What can they take away from this this interview? Uh, what do you want to be remembered for? Well, I I would have to say <laughs> those eight questions. In, in, take one for for the for the people that want to build their own house by George. Do it. Um, it's an amazing experience, and the only comment as as a builder of houses I have is. Expect it to take five times longer than you think it will <laughs> and, and cost three times as much. Um, but other than that, build your own house. Uh, I, I think that that's a really amazing like element that's in the tiny house movement that is, is trickling down is that people are taking design back into their hands and uh, taking it away from the, the, the big like process profit oriented building companies that are making McMansion tracts out there. So I, that's really amazing. Um, as, uh, I guess for other builders, I, I, I would just want to say don't be afraid to um, shake things up a little bit. Um, I think it's it's kind of where the, the fun is when you get to building. Awesome. Cool. So th- thank you so much, Abel. You've been a, a great guest. We love talking with you. Um, Yay. This is the first time we've ever given a guest applause. I don't know what yes. we're doing here. <laughs> Thank you. Well, the fire made it, you know. Yeah. It took a little bit off. Exactly. And uh, maybe one of these days, should we ever travel north, we'd love to uh, maybe do a follow-up second one uh, yeah. in one of your tiny houses in your, uh, you sure. know, up in your farm. Yeah, Yeah, you guys are welcome anytime. So awesome. Cool. If, you're, if you're coming through Olympia, give me a call. Awesome. Okay. Thanks, Thanks. man. Take care. All right. Thanks so much, you guys. Right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Tiny House Podcast. To find us online, go to tinyhousepodcast.com, where you will also find our show notes, if you remember to put them there. Our logo was designed by the amazing Carolyn Main. Our website is hosted by the gang at Sightcast. Our theme music is by Oma Studio. Please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating, or whatever. You tiny house-loving bastard. Tiny House Podcast is probably made in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> <laughs>